episode was previously recorded and has been edited for the new Indie Business Podcast. Welcome to the Indie Business Podcast, dedicated to helping you break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. And now, here's your host, Donna Maria. Hello and welcome to Indie Business Radio, where we empower you to enjoy your life, build your business, and have your way. I'm your host, Donna Maria, and we are ready to dive into another exciting week of life as a small business owner and making things happen. You know, I can remember a time when social media was thought to be a fad. It wasn't actually that long ago. Most people ignored it, thinking it was just for geeky types and kids who wanted to share photos online or talk about the latest concert they'd attended. Fast forward to today, and it's clear that if you were a late adapter to social media in your own business, you might have become dangerously close to actually going out of business. But thanks to my guest today, even if you weren't so early to embrace social media, it's not too late to dive in and make social media work for you and for your business. My guest today is Shama Haider Kabani. She is the president of the Marketing Zen Group, a full-service web marketing agency that serves clients around the world. Shama has been dubbed an online marketing shaman and a millennial master of the universe by FastCompany.com. Her latest honor comes from Business Week, which tagged her as one of North America's top 25 under 25 entrepreneurs. How exciting is that? She resides in Dallas with her family which includes her husband and her dog, and congratulations are in order, too, because Shama recently got married. Welcome to the show, Shama. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Very wonderful to have you. Shama's new book, The Zen of Social Media Marketing, An Easier Way to Build Credibility, Generate Buzz, and Increase Revenue is available now, and we are going to be talking about some of the tips and concepts that Shama has shared so generously in this fantastic book, which, by the way, I have to say is really good. Now, if you're listening to the show, you can click on the link to open up the chat window, and you can join us live in the chat, your choice, Twitter or Facebook. And also, just so you know, you can follow Shama on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Shama, which is like the coolest Twitter name I've ever heard. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Shama. It's just wonderful to have you. So let's start with this basic broad question. How do you define social media? Wow, isn't that sort of the million-dollar question? (laughs) Um, You know, and and this is so, so key to understand, I think, across the board. There's actually two definitions of social media. The first definition is something that I think we're all sort of familiar with, and it's the first thing we think about, and that's the fact that we use sites like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, essentially websites uh, online where people communicate, collaborate, connect with each other. That is a type of, those are social mediums and hence social media, but there's actually a another definition of social media that's a bigger definition and I think a more an encompassing one and the one that really, when you talk about social media marketing, we're addressing and that's the fact that people are now the media. You know, Twitter's been faster than the API for a couple of years now. Uh, it's amazing how much information journalists now get from, you know, social media sites and 
social networking sites. And so I think that's the ultimate definition of social media, that people are now the media. And, and that is such a wonderful um, way to think about it. And how empowering is that, Shama, that everybody, no matter what your resources may or may not be, no matter how much business experience you have, if you embrace the concepts that you talk about in your book, then you have an opportunity to reach everyone that you need to reach in the entire world. Right. I mean, it, it's amazing, but, you know, it's so funny because I've been actually meaning to do today's, I'm going to write a blog post today, and it's going to be about, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, as cliched as that is. And I think on one hand, we have this amazing power now uh, to where we can impact lives where we all have certain networks. It's the power that allows Red Cross, for example, to raise millions of dollars overnight just by saying, you know, there's an earthquake in Haiti. People, you know, donate, let's help. I mean, you have this massive power on one hand. And the other side, you also have sort of this power that can be people are abusing that you sort of see, you know, whether it's social networking sites that are not taking privacy seriously or whether it's individuals who uh, sometimes post thoughtless reviews or do things that are very impetuous and, and almost uh, childlike and childish in nature because all of a sudden they have this power. So it's amazing. Yes, I mean, social media, it's, it's fabulous. There are so many, uh, you know, amazing things we can do with it, but it's all things essentially boils down to we have one more means of communication, and now how we leverage that is really up to us as individuals and up to us as a society in general. And as small business owners, Shama, sort of a subset of what you're describing is like social media marketing, right? So how does that differ from what we think of as traditional marketing? It's different in the sense that, you know, when you think about social media marketing, you're really thinking about how do you leverage the fact that people are now the media. That's the true essence of social media marketing. There's a couple of differences. It's, you know, when, it's so funny. What we consider traditional marketing today, which is television or billboards or, you know, sort of really a, a lot of overlap in advertising, if you will, a lot of the push messages, you know, social media it's a separate sector now, but it's not always going to be that way. And, you know, five years down the road, this will be traditional, right? And the amazing thing that's changed for business owners is the fact that now people are communicating back. You can have conversations that you've never had before. Um, you're able, I mean, I think the best thing it does for small business owners, which, would, for example, with traditional, the bigger the better. If you're a big company, you're going to dominate with social media, the beauty of it is you don't have to be a big company. Heck, if you're smaller and more nimble, it actually works to your advantage because you as the owner of the company can actually get out there and shake hands and kiss babies and, you know, things of that nature. But social media, in essence, really levels the playing field across the board, and there's nothing more powerful than that. It, it is quite amazing. Now, one of the things that I first noticed when I got your book was a statement that said, all the benefits of social media marketing without the stress. So then I went to the front, you got the guy there in the yoga pose, and I'm thinking, okay, so calm us down. There's a lot of people who are really stressed out about social media. I don't have enough time. It's making me crazy. Help us just to get started with some of your best tips to kind of take a deep breath, calm down, and really just start at a point where you're not overwhelming yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think the number one reason people are overwhelmed is because of expectations, right? So how so very much like real life. <laughs> but if you think about social media in that sense, people often have 
the wrong expectation in the sense that they want social media marketing to be a magic bullet or for it to have instant results or for them to get, you know, direct clients or customers. It's like, yeah, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not getting business out of it, you know. And so I think the first thing you talk about in the book and sort of dispel this myth about is social media is not a customer-getting platform. It's not a client-getting platform. It's going to be a rare day in heaven where someone says, oh, look at this Twitter profile, how very thoughtful. I want to do business with this person. You know, does it happen? Yes. But is that really what you should aim for? No. And I think when you realize that's not your final goal, there's other things there that you would be better suited for, then you're going to have more success. So, for example, in the book I talk about the ACT methodology online, how to attract, convert, and transform um, online in terms of how do you attract people, how do you then convert them you know, to uh, consumers first and customers and clients, and then how do you transform sort of those success stories into more? How do you leverage those stories to attract more people back in? And social media tends to be a great tool to attract. Um, especially, let's look at Facebook real quick, for example. You know, there's so many privacy issues on there. It's such a it's such a landmine for all these things. But from the very beginning, I've suggested to people, don't build on Facebook, build out of Facebook. You know, use it as a tool to attract people back to your website. Email marketing is not dead. Right? Look at moving people beyond Facebook. It's a hard job to do, right? But it's a great, I mean, social media is a great tool to attract people. It's also a great tool to create consumers out of people. Write notes, give them content, you know, build your expertise and establish your online presence. Great way for social media to do that. You know, over time, those people will turn into customers and clients. But when you sort of change your mindset and say, ah, so it's not a direct platform, but much more an expertise building platform, much more a platform of telling stories and building relationships, all of a sudden you find yourself in sort of this zen mode, this easy way of using social media. And you find yourself, you know, voila, you're getting customers, you're doing business, and you're really sort of flowing with what social media was meant for rather than fighting it and, and really sort of you know, disappointing yourself because you're expecting someone to look at your blog one day and say, oh, great, you know, here's a check for 50000 can you start tomorrow? Great. And, you know, it's interesting that you, that you summarized it that way. Uh, we've got some people in the chat room. Joshua Titsworth, for example, just said social media is not a magic bullet, and, and that's certainly... Is a cool way to summarize what you just said. So, you know, do you think people sort of get stuck when they think about how, for example, if you buy an ad in a magazine and you have one of those little um, uh, things where the magazine allows you to tell people to write in a number or something, if they contact you, you can actually track that the people who write in that number and correlate with the people who respond to that ad, you can actually track sales, one, two, three, from the publication date of that publication so six months later, you can count how many people entered the code so you know how effective that was for you. Mm-hmm. Is one of the things you're saying is that the, the mindset that we must incorporate if we want to take advantage of social media is something different from that in the sense that it's not a one, two, three correlation all the time. No, it's not. And it's harder because I think for so long marketing has been linear. You know, that's the other struggle to sort of go with. We've got this very linear mindset of, you know, uh, Mm-hmm. But that's obviously you can't measure. I mean, you can certainly see how much traffic you're getting from certain sites. You can see how all certain things are converting. You always have those options. You're always going to be able to look at those things and measure those things. But you have to realize it's not linear anymore. It's not you put an ad, someone looks at it and calls and uses that number, and voila, you have a sale. Did it close or not? It 
can be, but more often than not, it's, it's a multi-point strategy, you know. Uh, we have people, for example, who call us and say, great, I would like to have a website made. And I said, how did you hear about us? And say, oh, I've been on your newsletter for a year. Right. A year. A year right. they've heard me. And they say, oh, and then, by the way, I heard you speak about six months ago at, you know, this, um, at, at whatever event, at IMC or something, at our consultants meeting. And, uh, you know, then I've been following you on Twitter. And then finally on Facebook, I saw the other day uh, a website that you guys did that you posted, and I thought that's exactly what my website looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you yeah, say no. that. I know yeah, I get I mean, emails from people all the time who say, you know, um, I, I, I'm buying something from you. I've been a subscriber to your newsletter for five years. I'm kind of like, right. wow, isn't that, isn't that weird? took me yeah, that it's long. Amazing. <laughs> well, that hopefully amazing? it doesn't always take five years. That's a long no, time. No, it doesn't always take five years, but that's the thing. You have people at different levels of the spectrum, and I sort of talk about this in the book, is, you know, someone may be at eight. They're ready to buy. They just need a push. Other people may be at a two, but they're still getting to know you. They still want to know what you're about. And, you know, in a society where I think trust is so easily eroded, mm-hmm. um, you know, generally we don't trust marketers. I mean, they might as well be down there with car salesmen. But it's funny because we're all marketers. They're grudgingly or some of us willingly sort of embrace that. Others grudgingly don't. But, it, you know, we're all marketing ourselves, whether it's for a job, whether it's to, for a small business, or whether it's just to, you know, sort of build our brand. I mean, we're always out there marketing and selling. But the trust is eroded. I mean, used to be in, you know, people used to believe the stuff they said on television, right? I mean, we as a society are not nearly as gullible anymore as we used to be. We're so uh, wary of, of the schemes out there, and, you know, we're, we're sort of skeptical about things that cross our path, and so uh, it sort of, the onus falls on the business owners then is to continuously build that trust, right? Build that trust and do so in a in a fashion where you're uh, meeting the demand of the customer. And so what I mean by that is social media, as you sort of get into it, is also about serving people at the level that they want to be served at versus how you do things. And so, for example, for the longest time, I wrote a blog. I wrote a blog for two years, and I love writing. I love reading. That was my main means of communication until um, – Someone talked to me about, I mean, I don't know if you uh, saw the chapter by Dave Kaminsky. It's on online video. It's a guest chapter. And uh, my buddy Dave convinced me. He said, you got to do online video. Try it. Amazing implications. You know, people who've never finished reading an article will watch up to 30 minutes of commercial video. And I was a little skeptical, but I tried it. I started my own web TV show. Within three months, it had way past my written blog, you know, that I'd been working on for two years. And so you realize that, you know, content and the things you do with social media, you sort of have to serve people their way. You know, some people prefer video. Others prefer, you know, reading a blog. Yet others prefer reading a newsletter. And still there's going to be people who prefer just to follow your tweets. And That's, so <laughs> because yeah. we live in a very personalized, customized world, we demand it as consumers, and that just means as marketers then we sort of have to step up and deliver as well. Very excellent points. I love that you shared about video because I have a passion for that as well. We're talking with Shama Kabani, the author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing, and she's sharing how important it is to meet your customers where they are and not where you think they should be. We're going to come back and explore that more with Shama after our break. Don't touch that mouse. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Indie Business Radio. Our guest today is Shama Kabani, the author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing. Thank you for joining, everyone. I see you guys chatting it up there in the chat room. Shama, before we took our break, you said that there are, there are a lot of different outlets, uh, so to speak, that we can use. You said video. There's a blog. Some people like, like newsletters. As a small business owner, I'm listening to some of our listeners' thoughts, and they're saying, but, you know, I wear all the hats. I'm the accountant, the bookkeeper, the manufacturer, the website designer, etc. How do I implement a plan where I can be all these different places when I have so many other things I have to do just to produce the products that I sell? Right. And so, you know, this question is not a unique question. I get it so many times just all about it boils down to where's the time. You know, I got I have a family, I have a business to run, and then I've got all this other stuff. So who has time? And the answer really is, you know, what do you want out of social media, right? I mean, if it is truly going to be a marketing tool for you, right, if this is going to be how you market and how you build relationships with people and how you network, what does that work to you, right? What is, what is your goal? And so... The, the main thing here is to use social media after you know why you want to use it. And it, it's very akin to, and I think you'd appreciate this analogy, <laughs> it's funny because it, it's like going to a grocery shop shopping when you're hungry, right? Uh-huh. And then we all know what happens. We end up with a cart full of stuff <laughs> that we would never otherwise buy, but because you're hungry, everything looks good, right? So it's so easy to sort of get caught in that social media, uh, really the, the sort of the hamster wheel, because everything looks good and you really don't have, you know, don't have any idea of where you should be going or what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the answer to that question is really twofold. One, it doesn't take nearly as much time as you think because it's when you know what you're doing, right? If you are going into a grocery store, and this is sort of why I have this checklist in the book, you know, what you should maybe be looking at doing on these sites on a daily, weekly, monthly basis just as guidelines. It's sort of, you know, if you walk into, <laughs> if you're going on Facebook and you know exactly what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, you're going to use a lot less time and be a lot more strategic about it than if you just go there and sort of are flailing your way about, if you will. Right? And, and, and that's uh, good. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. When you say um, know what you want, okay, Shama, I want more sales. Right. You have to be a little more specific than that because we've already talked about social media not being a direct sales tool, right? I'm talking about very specifically saying, you know, I want to go on Facebook today to maybe connect with two people who I'm friends with, who I think we would be good referral partners with, but we've never really talked on the phone or never touched base, right? I'm talking about maybe joining a group um, and, mm-hmm. and networking with the members there that I have not connected with before. Or I'm talking about maybe going on LinkedIn and setting up a profile um, and, and, you know, cleaning up my profile. And, and could, a, could another example um, be as simple as, you know, I'm going to join somebody's Twitter chat or maybe even the chat on Indie Business Radio and connect with some new people that are interested in the same topics I am? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, I mean, so it drills down to looking at what's available and almost kind of, not, not willy-nilly, but almost kind of, you know, sort of having a sense in your head of what your business is about and what in your gut may be a good match for it and just jumping in and participating in the conversation and listening to what's going on. Right, and then you want to listen, too, in terms of first you want to see, you know, what are people saying, where do you fit in, what value can you add. This 
that's the other thing. People jump in without really saying, what do I have to bring to the table? Right? And, you know, and I'm glad you said that. So glad you said that. I don't mean to cut you off, but <laughs> no, Joshua, no. T- Joshua Titsworth, who's in our chat room and listening right now, he just, I think, gave us a really good example. He has a question now, which I'm going to ask, but the first thing he did was share something that he thought was relevant. So he shared a thought, which I, which, which right here on Twitter, I'm looking at it and I retweeted it, and then he came back and now he's asking for your opinion on something. And I think that's just such a good example of what you're describing, coming in, listening first, sharing something, and then going back and, you know, maybe asking a question. You're asking about Joshua's question on the chat room? Yeah, I'm just sort of asking, trying to sort of, formulate for people who may be listening going, well, how do I do that? That's a perfect example. Joshua came in, shared something, and then he asked a question, and now he's a part of the conversation. Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's also really about sort of figuring out what you're comfortable with, too, you know. Um, if, if, for example, Joshua's style is this, this great. What if someone else didn't prefer chat room? What if they were much more into uh, podcasting or mm-hmm. video? I mean, it's also about finding the the medium that is more, most comfortable to you, mm-hmm. and then leveraging that. Yeah, good good point. So, so let's get to Joshua's question. Joshua, thank you for your question. Joshua Titsworth on Twitter says, Shama, you talk about customizing social media to fit the consumer. What, in your opinion, would be the best way to go about finding what areas to focus on? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I would say it highly depends on your audience. So what you often find, for example, um, is that baby boomers, Gen X, sort of, you know, the latter part of Gen X, they interact online differently. They don't leave comments, per se. They're going to engage at a very different level. They're more sort of soakers of information rather than, you know, are leaving comments or talking to. They're not likely to be in this chat room. They're much more, though, more likely to be listening to this conversation. So if that's your audience, you want to have sort of a different platform for them. Now, if your audience is younger, Gen Y, Millennials, whatnot, you may want to have something very different, very interactive. That being said, you also want to look at sort of what are what are the big things out there where people are connecting, communicating, and, and make sure you have a presence there. So Twitter, for example, right? It's, it's now hard when people go on Twitter and they – it's rare, I should say, when people go on Twitter talk about a company and you, to not see that company respond and say, hi, we heard you just mentioned us. How can we help, Right. Um, video continues to be huge and extremely underutilized by small businesses across all industries, across all mediums. It is such a powerful tool. Leverage that. Um, you know, continuing to, to create content in the written word, whether it's blogging or articles, because search engines still respond best to that kind of information. So it's amazing. I mean, you really sort of want to think about the diverse ways people learn, who your audience is, what the biggest networks are out there, and then sort of cater towards that. Good, good question, Joshua, and thanks for that answer. It's, it's all about knowing who your audience is and, and how they respond to the different tools. Uh, we have another question from Sijo Abraham Mani. I hope I'm saying that properly. He says, Shama, in your opinion, what is the most effective way to measure ROI or return on investment from social media? Right, and I think ROI is, is there's two ways to measure ROI with social media. There, there's a quantitative way and a qualitative way. The quantitative is the numbers. Uh, quantitative is how many visitors are you getting to your website, how many people are subscribing to your newsletter, how many comments are you getting, how many um, conversations are you engaging. These are numbers. These are quantitative things that you can measure. And then there's the qualitative aspect, which oftentimes is really can be more powerful than anything else because that stuff, 
is, you know, the, what people are saying. That sort of trust, reputation, what is being said about you out there, uh, what kind of conversations are happening, how many times you're being mentioned, and that's sort of the qualitative aspect. And both of those need to be measured with social media, the quantitative and the qualitative. So but they're both equally important, or do you place more emphasis or importance on one or the other? You know, I think they're both equally important. Uh, I think sometimes qualitative, even though it gets sort of dismissed as soft stuff, can be more powerful in the long term because that's, you know, those are the real things that sort of stick with people. Uh, you know, the, the numbers may take some time to show, but the qualitative is really, really sort of where the power is. And, and isn't it also, it's, it's immediate. I mean, if you go on Facebook and post an interesting article that you think your audience would be interested in, you immediately, before you even start looking at graphics and pie charts, you immediately get responses so you know you've either touched a nerve or you haven't. Mm-hmm. Right, I, right. I love I mean, that. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a great research uh, platform as well. Now, C. Joe Abraham Mani has also followed up with his comment, and he says, social media is not everyone's game. I'm, I'm a little bit interested in that. If you can uh, share with us exactly what you mean by that, but while, while we're doing that, Shama... What, what do you say to people who say, well, you know what, I'm just not into all that Twitter and Facebook stuff, so, um, you know, it's just, it's just not my thing, you know? Kind of like, I don't like to wear purple. Is, is, do we have that option as small business owners anymore? You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm sort of, I, I will be a contrarian here and say, you know, I think that CJ's right. Social media is not everybody's game. That being said, if you're sort of participant, if you're not listening to what your customers are saying online or and really responding, it's like being on mute. You're not invisible. People can still talk about you. They can still say things. There is no way to be invisible anymore. My advice is go out there and be proactive. That being said, I would not engage in social media marketing unless you really have the background for it, meaning you've got an excellent website, your product or service is good, your customer service is in place. You know, having all these business basics, it does not extend. So social media doesn't excuse you from the business basics. All that still has to be in place. Well, let's, also, let's assume it is. Let's assume all other things being equal. And you, you do have, you know, you've been running your business in a traditional sense for a while. You're not new, but social media is new to you. Is, is that something where you can just say, I'm just going to keep doing it the old way or the old ways or the ways I've always done it and not embrace any aspects of Online relationship building. But then you you risk certain things, and that's the risk you want to take. So, you know, I really do believe in giving people options, and I really do believe in people's comfort and uh, people having the ability to choose what makes sense for them. It's kind of like this, you know, it's like saying, what if someone didn't have a website, Mm -hmm. right? Could you get away with not having a website? Sure, you don't have a website. Does that mean that you're going to lose business to your competitors? Yeah. 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 But, okay. you know, but there's still people out there who are like, that's fine. I don't care. I'm happy. I serve, you know, my 10 clients. They're good. I'm good. I don't care. And that's their take on things, and so be it. You know, I talk to people who have their identities essentially taken on Facebook and someone else pretend, is pretending to be them, and they still don't care, and they have a very sort of lost if you're attitude. So I think the answer to that question is, yes, it's fine, but are, are there opportunities that you're going to pass up, and are there risks that you essentially are engaging in? Yes, but that is definitely a personal choice for everybody to make. Good good way to describe it. We're talking with Shama Kabani, the author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing. 
Shama, let's talk about blogging for a second. One of the interesting conversations of, of many in your book has to do with where to put your blog. So, um, well, let's first explore this issue. Uh, is, is there an option, and I know you're going to say yes, but I want you to tell me why, uh, mm-hmm. to have an online business where you do not have a blog someplace? Yes, you have the option, but here's the thing. One thing that you absolutely need with social media and what social media is a lot, a lot about is, you know, teaching people and educating people. That's sort of the challenge we talked about earlier. This eroding trust culture. How do you, how do you get people's trust? How do you make them feel comfortable? And the, you know, the answer is information, education. The more someone knows, the more empowered they will feel. And to that degree, you need content often to educate people about what you're doing, what you're about. Why you? Why not the competition? What's the differentiator? And so, can you choose not to have a blog yet? But are you still going to have to find some way to then overcome that challenge by still creating some type of content or some type of value? Because it is very much a content-driven, value-driven um, system, social media, online marketing in general. So, can you not have a blog yet? But does that make it then a little more challenging in finding ways to provide value? Yes. Uh, can it still be done? Yeah, absolutely. But again, you sort of do have to rack your brain and say, how am I going to provide value at different levels then? So maybe um, what's interesting about that is, is a blog is something that you can set up and host and, and own yourself. If you decide not to have one, let's just say you have an active Facebook page and people are there, you have a lot of fans or I guess likers as, as, as we may be called now. Right. You have a lot of people there. So maybe someone who is not so interested in blogging or just doesn't like that platform could use a Facebook page to accomplish some of the same goals. Is that what you mean? Right. I mean, you certainly can. The idea is to allow people to have, to learn something, to be, you know, to really connect with something. And you can do that in the style that's uh, befitting you and your audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things that's happened recently with Facebook, and it, and it happens all the time, but... Over the last couple of weeks, they've done a lot of things that have changed the way small business owners are embracing um, how to use it, among them changing fan to liker. And another thing that's interesting I'd like, I'd like to have your comments on is the creation of these community pages, which are sort of subject matter type pages. Have you, you taken a look at those? I know you have, and we're going to come back because we have to take a break. We're going to ask Shama about some of the Facebook changes and how we as small business owners can embrace them and incorporate them into our social media marketing. This is Indie Business Radio. I'm your host, Donna Maria. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Indie Business Radio. Our guest today is Shama Kabani, the Zen of Social Media Marketing. And Shama, you have just lit up the chat room here. We've got a lot of people um, commenting on some of the things that you're saying, thanking you for um, sharing such interesting insights. And Shama, I want to ask you this. As I said before the break, Facebook's been making some changes that, you know, might affect how small business owners use their business pages on Facebook. Can you comment on some of those and how we as small business owners can adapt when someone like Facebook or even Twitter or any other third-party-owned outlet that we use makes a change and all of a sudden everything's different. Yeah, and I think that the, the key thing to do is, is not rely too heavily on any one thing, right? You know, Facebook 
it's also sort of that Facebook's changes have honestly not impacted me or or, or, or the clients, uh, their company consults with. Reason being because we always tell people to build out of Facebook. You know, Facebook is a great little tool, sort of leveraging it while you can, but it's kind of consistently changed. Anything you put on there is public. That's all sort of how I've seen it. I don't care what the privacy settings are. I don't care how much they change it. Everything is public. There is no way that you can confirm that anything on there is private, but that you use it as such. It's like, hmm, if Facebook is a billboard and I'm going to paste, post things on billboard, well, uh, <laughs> then let's see, you know, do I, then am I going to be concerned about privacy settings? No, I sort of inherently believe and understand that it's public. Facebook is very much like that. You have to understand that it is public. It will keep changing. Things are always sort of changing on Facebook because, you know, a lot of users get very upset with it to get to realize Facebook is not there to serve its users. I mean, honestly, as awful as that sounds, Facebook is there to make money. It is a business, and its job is to serve its advertisers. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying whether this is right or ethical or condoning the practice. I'm just saying that is Facebook's viewpoint. They could care less about what the users think. They very much more care about what their advertisers think and how to help businesses. And they're continuously going to tweak the platform. They're going to change things, even with community pages that they've sort of said, they're going to create these pages and hand them to the community, and they're really like wikis now. I believe that once certain pages hit a certain point, they're going to be able to go to the highest bidder and say, who wants to go ahead and manage this? So let's say that there's a community page for business books. They're going to be able to go to publishers and say, oh, we have, you know, a million people who sort of community fan this page. Would you like to take this over? Um, and I think people have to be sort of prepared for that and know that Facebook will always change the rules. And so you really have to sort of, again, build on your own website and use Facebook, you know, where you can and when you can, but not depend on it, you know, 100%. Now let's talk for a second about blogging, Sama. There's an interesting conversation in your book about uh, whether to have your blog at your traditional e-commerce site or whether to house it elsewhere. Can you share some tips and thoughts that people should consider when thinking about that and maybe some examples of people you've worked with? Right. So I, th I think blogging on your own website is just more powerful because mainly for search and optimization purposes. You know, most small business owners that I know have a hard enough time managing one website, uh, keeping it going, and at the same time sort of, you know, driving traffic to it. Having your blog on your site, having that content greatly helps search engines, but also sort of keeps people in one place. Uh, and so I'm a big proponent, unless, you know, for very specific circumstances, would I say blog outside your domain name. But for most people, I would say blog on your domain name. Blog on your domain name. Okay. Are there any reasons why you might recommend that someone not do that? Can you think of any? Because I, I notice that a lot of people don't do that. Um, you know, if you are building two separate brands, for example, I have Shama.tv, which is video and sort of my web TV show, but that's my personal brand. And then I, of course, blog at marketingzen.com, which is my company site and the company blog. Um, the styles are a little bit different, but my main reasoning was I have my own brand as sort of the author, speaker, you know, web TV show host, and then I have the company brand where I'm the president, but there's a whole bunch of people behind that, and, you know, there's, that's a company. So that's one sort of, you know, thought process is how, you know, depending on sort of a branding issue, what makes sense. Shama, what are some of the newest trends that we should be aware of where implementing social media in 
smart ways and efficient ways are concerned. And this, you know, talking about small business owners here. Um, in terms of? Just in any new trends. Are there any new uh, maybe social media outlets that, or social networking outlets that we should be aware of that are new? Um, I know that happens all the time. But in any that you uh, you know of that you think are, you know, interesting or, or worth giving our time to because, quite frankly, we can't give our time to all of them. Right. I mean, you know, there's always going to be new things. Um, I think geolocation is the next really big trend. I shouldn't say next because it's so much here. But uh, that's essentially, you know, sharing your location and finding people that are around your location and connecting with people. So sort of taking online networking and, and mixing it with offline and location-based. Mobile, I think, is really going to be huge and already is in a lot of ways mobile marketing, mobile apps. Uh, so much of what we do now is completely on the mobile phone, not the Internet at all. Um, so, I mean, just some amazing things that I think in, in those realms are changing. But I think, you know, people are always asking about trends and what's new with social media. But I'm, I'm always a little afraid of that because I feel like we have so much to grasp with what we have, and we're struggling with that. I don't know what adding to that mix looks like. Um, so I would urge people not to get ahead of themselves too much and say, what's next, what's next? We'll really look at what's here. And how are you going to integrate it better and really understand it before sort of moving on to the next thing? And, and so along those lines, does it make sense to really think about what your core social media outreach is going to be and then build the tools around that so that whenever a new one comes along, it's not like a big, huge shakeup. You just add it or you don't. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, you're sort of, you add it or you don't, and also in the sense of, yeah, I mean, always looking at your audience and saying, you know, at what point do we feel comfortable with one thing before we move on to the next thing? Mm-hmm. Very good point. I read some articles recently, Shama, that talked about brands, the importance of brands or, the, you know, the, the leaders of small businesses considering actually owning some sort of social networking platform of their own. Can you comment on that? Yeah, and I've heard that, you know, the, the trouble with sort of your own platform and networks is ask anybody on the street, what about another social network? And they're going to just sort of roll their eyes and go, yeah, okay, one more social network, seriously? And so you struggle with sort of this, you know, this thing of, yes, you, you can have your own social network, depends on your audience once again, but at the same time, people are really tired and they're sort of hitting that threshold very quickly of not uh, not one more thing. So I think... You know, rather than focusing on your social network, you'd be better off sort of focusing on you know, your audience, creating valuable content, and leveraging the networks that are out there right now to you. Again, depends. I mean, if you're a huge company, something different. You know, I was um, speaking at an executive association not too long ago where uh, I believe someone in the hospitality branch who holds like Hilton's and all these, we're talking about, they do have their own network, but it makes sense. I mean, you have, you know, thousands and thousands of employees, they sort of need that internal network for certain reasons. Um, I've heard that Boy Scouts of America, you know, the National Boy Scouts of America has sort of an internal network because there's kids involved and there's, you know, uh, different parental issues there and things like that. So, I mean, it really does depend on your audience. But I think for most small business owners, so much better to leverage the networks out there and create value on your own website and, and work that to your, uh, to your benefit rather than creating one and it takes a lot of traction to get one going. It doesn't. It take, takes a lot of time. I want to explore something that you said a few minutes ago that I thought was worth, worth mentioning again. You talked about how Facebook's 
uh, goals have nothing to do with us and everything to do with essentially advertising revenue for them. Um, and I, I would imagine that we could say similar things about, um, you know, other places where we all show up online and participate. Shama, what are your thoughts on using those kinds of outlets without becoming dependent on them? Right, and I think it sort of goes back to, you know, making your website your home base, really mm-hmm. creating your own place online. It doesn't have to be a social network. But creating sort of that, you know, something that you own online, uh, being very flexible with your strategy, and again, having multiple things, you know, search and optimization, pay-per-click. I mean, social media is part of a much bigger picture. It is not a standalone thing. Really looking at sort of the whole picture and saying, where are my best clients coming from? What do I need to do more of? What do we maybe need to do less of? And then going from there. Good point. Excellent points. We're talking today with Shama Kabani, the author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing. Shama, this, this has been a fantastically enlightening show. I want to ask you this. Now, your book is fantastic, and I, again, encourage everyone to go to uh, Shama.com. Is that right, Shama? Best place it's to go Shama.tv. That's the, oh, the book site is zenofsocialmedia.com. Zenofsocialmedia.com, or, again, you can follow Shama on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Shama. And this is, this is a wonderful book. I will say it's very easy to read. There are screenshots, and there are also quotes from people that Shama has interviewed. Um, as if her expertise wasn't enough, she's found some other experts to help you, and that's always helpful. It's full of stories and sort of case studies of how other people are using social media to be successful, in particular in small business. Now, Shama, I have this question, or I want you to share with our listeners. Um, your book says that um, you have sort of a free online companion book that, that updates. Can you tell us how that works so we, we know when we want to buy the book what we're getting in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when I wrote the book, I knew that things were going to change, like Facebook, and, and, and there's always changing things. There's things that what we talked about sort of are, are evergreen things, but, you know, the specifics change. And I wanted to be able to give people something that they had access to that would be updated, that they would sort of be able to go there and see what's new, what's changing. And so when you buy the book, there is a code in the book that allows you to access sort of a copy, mirror copy of the book online within the site with that code. And that I'm keeping updated. I'm working on the updates just ongoingly when someone asks me a question or when things change, adding links, really sort of making it a, a, a more live, interactive version. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's worked out really well so far and got some great feedback. A lot of people said, oh, so how much do you have to pay for this? And I said, no, it's free. It just sort of goes with the book. I mean, it's the only way it would make sense for me to write the book. So, such um, a, useful, a useful tool. Amazing. Because things are changing so quickly. They are. They are. And I think it's one of the reasons the book has already done so well. Uh, so grateful. I mean, it's been, you know, uh, number one, the web marketing category in the Kindle. It's been sort of a bestseller in its category on Amazon. And just so... Really grateful. I mean, just some gotten some good feedback, good support, and you know, great to know that there's people out there. I mean, I think as a reader, I always made it a point to let authors know I like your book. But I think as an author, I realize how important that is and how nice that feels, not just from sort of a vanity standpoint, but from a standpoint of this is my baby. This is something you know you work hard for. I think all authors across the board is really something you think a lot about. And you put a lot of yourself into it. So getting people who say wow, this helps me, I finally get it. To me, that's sort of very affirming and, and, and just a really, really good feeling. So I'm, I'm so grateful to everybody out there who's shown 
such immense support and said so many nice things for, for right now. And Shama, I have another Facebook question. Sure. <laughs> um, and this is actually um, s similar to some things that are discussed in your book. I want to share it with our listeners. Um, what, what would you suggest in terms of etiquette when it comes to trying to connect with people on Facebook through your user profile page and inviting them in a gentle way to join you at your business page? Um, you know, I think it's so much about giving people options. And so mm -hmm. just telling someone, listen, you know, this is great. Thank you so much. I'd love to connect with you, but, you know, I keep my profile specifically for X, Y, and Z, but I have a special area just so I can keep in touch with, you know, my business associates or colleagues. Here's a link to that. You know, the only thing you want to be careful about stuff like that is you don't want to copy-paste such messages. Um, I'll tell you my personal dilemma. I had 5,000 friends a long time ago, which is what Facebook limits you at. So I have like 3,000-something pending friend requests. I can't add them. I know people who sort of put a canned message and said, please, follow me on my page instead. And copy-pasting sort of that repetitively will get your account banned from Facebook because they see that as a spamming mechanism. Oh, that's an interesting point to make. What if you want to reach out to someone on Facebook? You're not in the receiving mode. You're reaching out to someone on Facebook, and you use your personal account for personal reasons. And What do you that's suggest? That's fine. I mean, you certainly can, but you have to be very careful. Um, I wouldn't do that, like, you know, more than five or six people a day, honestly, because of how sensitive Facebook is to such things. And I certainly wouldn't copy-paste, like, a specific message saying, hi, please join me here. I would just be very careful. And make sure that you do it right and be aware of those sorts of spam sorts of things because everybody's looking to minimize that. Um, a couple, a couple, just one more question. We have time for one more really quickly. What are your top tips? for maximizing your profile page on any social networking site? Uh, use your current picture. I think a lot of times people say, oh, I only have this one picture that's on here I like. But when someone meets them, they're like, wow, that does not look like you or that is 10 years old. The issue with that is it really causes like an instant sort of uh, distrust, even though that's not your intention, that's not the intention of the person. Because online, it's so shady anyways. I think it's so quickly, it's so easy to sort of look at that and say, wait, are you trying to do something that you shouldn't be, you know? So I'd say use a good picture, use your profile strategically. Uh, big mistake I see people making is sort of being everywhere. But I think really sort of streamlining it and saying why, I'm, you know, if you are looking for a job, for example, making sure your profile is very customized and specific to sort of your industry, your profession. You're highlighting the things you want seen by the people you want looking at your profile. Um, and also realizing that nothing on there is private. I mean, a lot of people fool themselves. Oh, but I have my privacy settings. I can honestly tell you those settings are null and void. I mean, there's no way for you to guarantee that those settings work. Um, I can honestly tell you have situations where people have those settings and they have not worked. So just know that anything you put on your profile is public. So consider it a billboard and, you know, decorate accordingly. Consider it a billboard and decorate accordingly. I love that as we round out our show today with author... Shama Kabani. Check her out on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Shama and also at her website, Shama.tv. Fantastic book here, The Zen of Social Media Marketing. Thank you so much for joining us, Shama. I want to let you guys know that I am not stopping. More wonderful guests are on the way right here on Indie Business Radio next week. I'm really excited to let you know who my guest is, Pam Flynn, the author oh, I of love Escape. Pam. 
Yes, I know. She's <laughs> quoted in your book, Escape from Cubicle Nation. Actually, I should clarify, she's my guest on June 14th. Um, I don't actually have a guest for next week, so if you want to make a pitch, feel free to send me a message through my website at IndieBusinessRadio.com. Very excited to have you here, Shama. We will see you next week when I'm sure I'll have a guest right here on Indie Business Radio. In the meantime, enjoy your life, build your business, and have your way. The Indie Business Podcast is powered by the Indie Business Network. For more information, visit www.indiebusinessnetwork.com.